0: what a day what a couple of fucking days uh-huh. <laughs> it's been a rough one around here folks
1: want to talk about it
0: might as well we talk about everything else on here mm-hmm. one of my two cats has been missing for a couple days now we cased the neighborhood tonight with some other friends yep could not locate him Yeah, super dreading telling my kids tomorrow when they come home that their little cat that they love so much is missing.
1: He's only a year old. He's our COVID
0: kitty. I'm getting mixed feedback. Number one, I'm getting, oh, God, cats do this all the time. He'll be back. And then on the flip side, I'm getting, well, he was probably eaten by a coyote. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I just like to say that when somebody is missing a cat, it's super unhelpful to then lecture them about why they shouldn't let their cat outdoors.
1: Yeah, not the time read the room people or ever the time well, really true. i mean
0: clearly i disagree because i let my cats outside i right. mean they are animals and i'm not even gonna go into it but <laughs> especially not the time when somebody is sad because their cat is missing and may not be alive right. so yeah so fuck all y'all that's how i feel about that seriously and then while i am crying on the inside michelle <laughs> looks like she's been crying for a month on the outside
1: or i look like the most stoned person that has ever lived <laughs> Well, those two things kind of look the same. Exactly. Yeah, my eyes are very red. I have been told by a medical professional (laughs) that it is allergic conjunctivitis, not bacterial, super gross, contagious conjunctivitis. Well, when I saw you last night,
0: I was a little concerned. It looked like you'd been crying for like three hours.
1: (laughs) The first thing you said to me when you walked in was, what's wrong with your eyes? (laughs) I was like, I know. And the second thing I said was, have you been crying? Yeah, right. (laughs) It's, you know... They feel dry. It feels like allergies. And it just for whatever reason, got really bad. And I look ridiculous. But other than that, I'm doing okay. Great. I know. I'm a little down in the dumps,
0: stressed, anxious about my missing kitty. But I'm here. We're gonna do it. We're
1: doing it. Speaking of anxiety, there's a whole lot of that in what we're about to talk about. That's right. What are we talking about tonight, Megan? Attachment theories.
0: Mm -hmm. We first started talking about this because a few years ago, a guy on a dating app said what his attachment style was. It was pretty interesting that he outlined, this is what my attachment style is you know most people don't lead with that so you and I looked it up and it was very intriguing the whole
1: concept yeah. of attachment styles you know it's kind of like people put their myers briggs letters or their sign on a dating app or whatever maybe this is I the hate new when people do that i know you do but <laughs> but maybe
0: this is the new one of those do you want to explain the concept of attachment styles
1: there's a couple things Because attachment theory, the psychological study of attachment theory is what led to the definitions of the attachment styles that we can now figure out, you know, which ones we are or whatever. Okay. Attachment theory was first introduced in psychology by John Bowlby in the 50s. He was a child psychiatrist. Didn't he work at a hospital where
0: he specifically worked with children that had psychological disorders?
1: He worked as a psychiatrist in a child guidance clinic in London where he treated many emotionally disturbed children. Yeah. He was really interested in the link between early infant separations with the mother specifically. I wonder why he focused so much on the mother. Um, I guess at the time,
0: you know, it was very traditional that the mother would have the bond and the primary
1: caregiver role for the children. Yeah, we're talking 70 plus years ago at this point. So, yeah. He figured out that those first two or three years are crucial to the psychological development that manifests later as how you act in the world, how you form relationships with anyone.
0: Does he believe that your attachment style may be developed one way, but can change in adulthood?
1: I have no idea what he believes, but the people who do this research now absolutely think so, yes. Okay. Yeah, self-reflection, therapy if you want or need to, that kind of stuff to really address some of the issues from when you were a child. It's not what therapy is all fucking about most of the time anyway. I mean, yes, yeah. Your
0: childhood and...
1: What's funny is I've been in therapy for uh, coming in on two years now, and I don't think we've talked much about my childhood at all.
0: Well, maybe not so much talked about it, but I guess if you believe this kind of approach it developed who you are today. And so how you react to things is based on how you formed attachments
1: and bonds and Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. Just to really lay it out there, this is from an article called What is Attachment Theory for Very Well Mind. And it says, the central theme of attachment theory is that primary caregivers who are available and responsive to an infant's needs allow the child to develop a sense of security. The infant knows that the caregiver is dependable, which creates a secure base for the child to then explore the world. So if they feel like they have someone to run to if they're scared or in trouble or whatever, Mm -hmm. and again, you know, we're talking babies and toddlers, so... It's not like, mom, I got arrested. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. They have that secure base. And then they can and want to venture out a little bit more and a little bit more because they know they have somewhere to come back to.
0: This kind of reminds me when you're just talking about caregiver, this work thing that I was at once that involves all women. There was a speaker there. She was a CEO. And I cannot remember what company she was the CEO of. But she was addressing women who have to travel for their careers. And she was talking about scientific research that showed that for kids, it's not necessarily that they have to have a specific person like their mom there. They have to feel safe and they have to have a routine Mm. pretty much. And so if the kids feel safe and they have a routine and they're getting their basic needs met, then it's not really pivotal who is providing all those things to them as long as they're getting them. Mm-hmm. So if through your career, which includes travel, you're able to provide all of these things for them, and maybe it's not you directly that's there Tuesday through Friday, that particular week, because you're on a work trip, Mm. then it's fine if it's dad or grandma or the babysitter or whatever. It's not
1: going to harm them. No, it's not going to harm them.
0: But I think, you know, women feel a lot of pressure about being away from their kids. And if they have to travel frequently for work, it's a relevant
1: topic. Uh, So that makes total sense. And I think it's absolutely true. I don't think that if you're not doing everything for your kids, then you're going to ruin them. That's ridiculous. But there have been some studies done about the stages of attachment in those infants and toddlers. They talk about how in the first few months, like zero to three months, babies don't show any particular attachment to a specific caregiver, typically. Mm
0: -hmm. Meaning like anyone can sue them as long as they're meeting their need.
1: Basically, yeah. And some infants will hit that before three months. I saw some things that said zero to six weeks. Okay. And then after that is indiscriminate attachment phase. Where between like six weeks of age to seven months, the baby will begin to show preferences for primary and secondary caregivers. They'll develop that trust because they're bonding with these people and those people are meeting their needs. But it isn't just like, I only want mom or I only want grandma or whatever Mm -hmm. quite yet. And then before they turn one, they do discriminate and they show a strong attachment and preference for one person. After that, they have the ability to form strong bonds with multiple people. So if you happened to be gone and traveling a whole lot when your kid was eight, nine months old, you might come back and find that they're really attached to whoever it is that was really caring for them during that time, which would be really hard. But as they're a little bit older, that's not as big of a risk, I guess. Oh, I don't like you calling it a risk. No, no, sorry. I don't mean that. I just mean uh, to your feelings. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you alluded to this earlier, but just to be clear, there's a difference between attachment theories and attachment styles. Yes. Attachment theories start with two main theories that psychologists have proposed that they think are important in forming attachment styles. Learning theory of attachment proposes that all behavior is learned rather than an innate biological behavior. The idea is that children are born as blank slates. Mm -hmm. So everything that they understand and react to is behavior that is learned by them. The other is the evolutionary theory of attachment, which suggests that children come into the world biologically pre-programmed to form attachments with others in order to help them survive. That is the theory that Bowlby believed. In this theory, there's a suggestion that the critical period for developing an attachment is from zero to five years old. It says... If an attachment has not developed during this period, then the child will suffer from irreversible developmental consequences, such as reduced intelligence and increased aggression. That's why I wrote harsh. Wow. I know. (laughs) Yeah, Michelle's got a little note here. Harsh. That's right.
1: It's interesting. I don't see those as mutually exclusive. Well, isn't it? The learning theory and the evolutionary theory. It's kind of another play on nature versus nurture, right? Definitely. But I... I do think that for the most part, babies are born as blank slates, but we're also animals that do have instincts and wanting to form attachments is one of them because it's about survival.
0: A baby will instinctually know that their mother is the animal that's going to feed them, right? right? And you can change that pattern, which we've discussed in other episodes, and it's completely fine because we're evolved. You'll still be able to meet their needs. And you can do that by forming an attachment, even if you're using formula or what the fuck ever. I agree that there's some instinct, but I lean more towards the learned behavior.
1: I just don't see them as competing with each other at all. I think that someone can learn all the pieces of how they behave and can be conditioned to do and think anything. I don't think any of that negates the fact that we are still born wanting to form relationships. So we're talking about forming attachments with people who meet your needs, right? Mm -hmm. But what they found in a lot of these studies is it isn't necessarily the person who's feeding you and meeting your literal basic needs, but the person who is consoling you, reacting to you, attuned to your psychological state. Yeah, it's called sensitive responsiveness. Right. This article called
0: Attachment Theory by Saul McLeod for Simple Psychology says, the most important fact in forming attachments is not who feeds and changes the child, but who plays and communicates with him or her. Therefore, sensitive responsiveness to the baby's signals appear to be the key to attachment.
1: We have mentioned before the study that Harry Harlow did with the rhesus monkeys Mm -hmm. when we went off about attachment parenting for um, a good solid half hour
0: a few weeks ago. (laughs) Which wasn't planned, but just happened. just
1: sort of happened. Sorry about that. But his study showed the same thing that, you know, in a cage where there's a wire surrogate mom monkey and one that's covered with foam and terry cloth. But the wire one had the food. He found that baby monkeys would go get the food from the harsh wire monkey mom, then go back to the soft one mm-hmm. and hang with her. And if they were scared, they would run to the terry cloth one, not the one with the food. Seems yeah, the up. difference between meeting a physical need and an emotional need. Yeah.
0: So should we get into what the actual attachment styles are?
1: Yes. There was a, a clip on YouTube from, I believe it was called Sprout School. I'll put the link in the show notes. That... I thought explained it really well and the example that they used was here's this couple and they have four kids from like six years old to one year old those kids are all at different stages of development They're wonderful parents, highly responsive, everybody's happy. Storybook parents. Storybook, right? (laughs) But then the father passes away and the mom has to do all the parenting, has to work full time, has to do it all. And that's really fucking hard. So they kind of go down the list of these four kids and say, okay, so here's the six-year-old. He had his zero to five-year-old time with both parents when everything was picture book. And so he's fine. He's going to be just fine. Basically, all four kids had different attachment styles. His being the only one that was secure because he was the only one that was old enough to really have already finished most of that brain development.
0: It was interesting how they made an example out of each kid, but the last one that they talked about, they created a scenario where the kid was in an environment daily where he was subject to a lot of neglect and then hostility Mm -hmm. in terms of like verbal response. And so it made him really fearful. It was good because it went through and showed using these four fictional children the four different attachment styles and how they could be developed.
1: Yeah. Actually, it made me think a lot because I've known families with, you know, multiple children that really are very, very different people. I've always had the nature versus nurture thing in my head about that. But this kind of makes sense in terms of like, if some major event happened that changed things at some point in their childhood, maybe the older kids would come out of it more okay in terms of this stuff than the younger ones yeah okay so let's talk about what they are so about half of people according to these studies have a secure attachment style Meaning they felt safe and secure as little kids. They had strong character. And as adults, they have a positive self-image and are able to develop and maintain relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, That's why the divorce rate is 50%. Hey, look at that. (laughs)
0: Only about ah, half. Go math. (laughs)
1: Um, That is the only one of the four types that is considered at all secure. The other three have all different names, but they are all insecure attachment types. I don't like that only one... One out of four
0: is really a positive. You did
1: it. You d- Congratulations. <laughs> when it's really nothing you did. I know, right? <laughs> I don't know. I found so many ways that I was thinking about my own parenting in this. What have I done to fuck up my kids? You know?
0: Maybe we should go a little deeper on that. The relationships that they formed are based on honesty, tolerance, and emotional closeness. This article, Attachment Styles and Their Role in Relationships, says The secure attachment type thrive in their relationships, but they also don't fear being on their own. They do not depend on the responsiveness or approval of their partners and tend to have a positive view of themselves and others. Yeah, I would put that on my dating profile. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Although, who diagnoses this for you? Like, did you take a quiz? Well, in fact, yes,
1: I did. We took a quiz, but... (laughs) There's not really like a formalized standard test, right? Certainly not. No, I assume if you were in therapy, your therapist could probably, <laughs> after knowing you for a little while, give you a good idea. Well, the securely of which one you attached are. people sound great. Bravo
0: <laughs>
1: to your yeah. parents
0: because it wasn't anything you did. Well,
1: right. <laughs> but again, you can. It's not fixed, right? It's not static forever. If you are willing to work on yourself and reflect and work on your behavior and try to change some of your conditioning, then you absolutely can change that. Let's talk about the broken ones. Okay, let's be (laughs) a little more um, positive than that. Megan. I know you're mad today, but
0: (laughs) I am
1: really sensitive right now. I know. I know. So the next quadrant of this little charity thing that came up (laughs) when I took a quiz is anxious ambivalent also referred to as anxious preoccupied. That, as a kid, kind of manifests in clingy behaviors. These kids tend to raise their emotional state to get attention and then appear ambivalent when they get that attention. As adults, they can be unpredictable, moody, and have a mediocre self-image. Not terrible, but not great. And it looks like roughly 20% of the population falls into this category.
0: And the information I have here focuses more on adults They often consider their partner to be like their better half, you know, people Mm -hmm. joke about that all the time. And the thought for them of living without their partner, or just being alone in general, gives them a lot of anxiety. They struggle with that negative self image, even if they have a positive view of others. I sort of perceive this as being the stage five clinger, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The person that Why won't
1: you love me? I'm gonna suffocate you
0: with my love. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fair. It turns out it's not their fault. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They're often seeking approval and support and especially responsiveness from their partner. Mm. They're likely doing things to try to generate a response, which I'm sure goes over really well.
1: I mean, I guess it depends on what the attachment style of the other person is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it says a strong fear
0: of abandonment is present, and safety is a priority. The attention, care, and responsiveness of the partner appears to be the quote remedy for anxiety. That sounds like a lot of fucking pressure. Oh yeah, duck and run. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's perfect.
1: Nobody's fucking perfect. And I would like to say as a caveat on these, the place that offers the quiz, which I'll put that link in there too, is called The Attachment Project. And in that article, it talks about how you might hear bits and pieces of each of these that feel like they resonate with you. It's not like you can only be squarely one, two, three, or four. It's really kind of this matrix And when we get into our results, you know, we can talk about the numbers that they gave us scores. So like, I'm higher on one axis than the other, which to me makes a lot of sense. (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) okay, next is anxious avoidant or dismissive avoidant. As kids, these people tend to learn to avoid fear, and that leads to avoid showing most feelings or any feelings. And then as adults, they have trouble expressing emotions and often have poor self-image. Interesting. That was from the
0: video. What I have here says... The dismissing slash avoidant type would often perceive themselves as lone wolves, strong, independent, and self-sufficient, not necessarily in terms of physical contact, but rather on an emotional level. These people have high self-esteem and a positive view of themselves.
1: Hmm, Interesting. Well, these are all theories.
0: It says the dismissing slash avoidant type tend to believe that they don't have to be in a relationship to feel complete. They don't want to depend on others. They don't want others to depend on them. And they generally avoid emotional closeness. They tend to hide or suppress their feelings when faced with a potentially emotion dense situation. That sounds very ominous. <laughs> emotion dense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Are we going to guess each other's later? Because I have a guess.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Shocking. (laughs) I bet nobody can guess what you're going to guess.
1: Moving on. Okay. The last one is anxious disorganized or fearful avoidant. Something that came from that video I was talking about. It says, when neglected or abused by a caregiver, the child becomes anxious of the people they seek security from, which disorganizes ideas about love and safety. When they experience fear without resolution, they then try to avoid all social situations. So this Um, is
0: like that kid in the video, the one that I was mentioning that was in the caregivers.
1: Right. Because what do you do when the people that you have to turn to for everything are the ones that you're afraid of, but you still need them. Like it just really disorganizes everything. It's very chaotic. So these people often grow up to feel very unworthy of love and have a negative self-image. And I should say that that is a very small percentage of people. And I think I skipped the last percentage. The avoidant dismissive was about 25% of the population. And what about this disorganized? It's just very, very small. Like one study said like 1%. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, adult
0: traits, the disorganized type, they tend to show unstable and ambiguous behaviors in their social bonds. The partner and the relationship themselves are often the source of both desire and fear. Right. These people want intimacy and closeness, but at the same time, they experience trouble trusting and depending on others. And they don't regulate their emotions very well. Kind of avoid that strong emotional attachment because they're scared of getting hurt.
1: That makes sense. If that's how you were treated as a baby, as a toddler, then yeah. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, you don't really understand what an appropriate attachment is is Mm -hmm. which is going to manifest into a relationship that struggles yeah as an adult
1: there was another video that i watched a talk by dr gabor mate
0: he was fascinating to listen to yeah i could have sat there and listened to him talk for two hours
1: yeah he's amazing i'll post this link too so i'm just going to read this bit here Because I feel is very important and it made me think a lot. He said, by love, I mean the capacity to be present with and understand and see the other human being for exactly who they are, to accept them for who they are and invite them unconditionally to be in your presence exactly the way they are. When children don't receive that unconditional invitation to be in your presence exactly the way they are, then they have to adapt to that because they need the attachment relationship without which they can't survive. Without attachment, there is no survival therefore we adapt. And if your child gets the message that she's not invited to be in your presence when she's angry, then she won't be angry. Not that the anger won't be there, but she'll repress it. It's not a conscious behavior. It's simply an automatic brain mechanism. But when you repress anger, you're repressing your immune system. Lots of studies have shown that the immune system can then fail to function or can actually turn against you in the form of autoimmune illness. Holy shit.
0: Yeah, and they were talking about the glands that produce these hormones. The adrenal glands, yeah. Are developing Mm -hmm. production of adrenaline and cortisol and those stress responders. Those can get fucked up if in that phase of your life where they're
1: developing you're getting poor emotional care. Yeah, it starts producing a bunch of adrenaline and cortisol, which raises heart rate and your blood pressure. They
0: were saying like in some situations, it can be so bad that it can misprogram your body. Yeah. So that you develop in a way that you have an inappropriate physical response. Mm -hmm. It's called toxic stress.
1: Something that I thought of when I was listening to Dr. Gabor Maté I really hope that's how you say his name. There's an accent (laughs) over the E. So was that, and this doesn't happen very often, but it certainly has happened in my house where my daughter would be losing her mind about something. And from what I can see, it's a complete overreaction about some dumb little thing. It's been a long time since this has been the case, but there have been times where I'm like, okay, well, if you can't talk to me, then go be emotional in your room Mm -hmm. and come back when you can talk to me. Right. In my head, it was like, I am absolutely willing to talk, but I'm not going to indulge this completely over the top, over the top reaction to something. Mm -hmm. Well, probably what was happening was she had other things that she was reacting to, couldn't really communicate any of it. It's all coming out about socks or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And. I don't see everything that's going on in there. And so, I I don't know. It just really made me think about that. And I was glad that hadn't happened for a while.
0: Yeah, I've definitely done that before, too, when I feel like the reaction is extreme. And I assume that it's because they're tired or whatever. And and I'll say something like, do you need to go lay down for a while? (laughs) Right. Do you need to take a nap or whatever? And they're like, no, of course, they're not going to respond favorably to that. Yeah. It's not easy, this parenting thing. It's not.
1: No. And then we
0: just keep reading things that make us think like, hmm. Oh, God. Was I supposed to say that? Was I supposed to do that? (laughs) Oh, shit. I did it wrong again.
1: And I have a terrible confession. You already know this, but it's also kind of funny that when my daughter was a lot younger, the way that she cried... I know exactly what you're going to say. It was so fucking annoying. She made like a really shrill noise. It was awful. And I'm not going to do it (laughs) to you all. There would be times where like if it had just been going on for too long or like 8 billion times in one day or whatever. And finally, I would just be like, oh, my God, stop making that noise. (laughs) It's
0: so rude. No, it (laughs) was a very shrill whine that started the cry. It was like the siren that lets you know that she was feeling emotional about something. It was hard to hear. (laughs) It was. I I heard it a lot,
1: too. well out of that face, thankfully. (laughs) I don't have to say that anymore.
0: I feel like an asshole.
1: No, you're not an asshole.
0: Nobody expects you to be the storybook parents from the YouTube video.
1: (laughs) I definitely missed the mark on that one. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about ours. What do you think? Yeah, you ready?
0: I know you desperately want to guess mine. I already
1: know. (laughs) I don't need to guess.
0: Okay, well, then let's start with you. Okay, well, do you? I mean, it's right here, so you probably saw it. No, I
1: didn't see it. Well, then don't laugh. What Uh, do you think?
0: I am going to guess. Hang on, let me look at these again. Are you the anxious preoccupied? I'm not. Oh,
1: sorry. (laughs) Well, no, that's okay. If I was not the one I am, that's the one I would be. Okay, I'm close-ish. I don't want to but. guess wrong again, so just. Tell us. I got secure, actually. Oh, of course you did. I, it's funny because a lot of this I read, and the questions that they ask you really are things like, "Are you comfortable being emotionally open with a partner? Do you like closeness? Do you?" And you know, and it's all this stuff that, like, yeah. I'll fucking tell them anything. I want to talk about all the stuff. I want to be close. It's probably going to be a lot for some people. But (laughs) those seem to be the hallmarks of this secure attachment that you're willing to be vulnerable, to trust people. And like that's the stuff that I do have. But like I was saying before, this is – matrix might be the wrong word, but there's an x-axis and a y-axis – Basically, it's like a seven-point scale in either direction, and then there are four quadrants within. Mm -hmm. On avoidance, I scored 1.33, so the middle, when you switch into a different category, would be 3.5, right? That makes sense to me, because I don't avoid hard shit. I'm willing to dive in Mm -hmm. on the anxiety scale. I got 2.5. So I'm getting closer to that middle. Okay. So things about the secure style, it says like you are comfortable with being alone, but you're also comfortable in a relationship. Well, I'm not entirely comfortable being alone and I'm getting there. I'm getting a lot better with it. But like the other article was saying, you're going to find things about each one or things in multiple sectors that resonate with you that you feel like could apply to you. So yeah, some of the characteristics here are you seek and exhibit emotional closeness to others. You're comfortable with mutual dependency. You have a positive self-image, which, you know, that comes and goes. You are warm and straightforward with others, able to open up about your feelings. You're aware of your emotions and can easily express them. You tend to have deep, stable, and long-lasting relationships. Well, I'd like to. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: Goals. <laughs> right? You have a positive view on relationships. You feel good about them and you seek them. Yes. Yes. You manage to balance your emotions between the extremes most of the time. You value attachment, yes. So, like, all of that stuff describes me pretty well. The being alone thing, a little less so. But you are definitely set up as a child for a particular sector of this little chart. Mm-hmm. But it's not impossible to change it. And it's certainly not impossible that you would have some characteristics from other spots so So
0: here's a question yes do you think that you hit a home run because of your zero to five attachment growing up or do you think it's because of work that you have done as an adult to bring yourself to a secure
1: well i'll tell you this the beginning of this little section describing the secure attachment style says first of all congratulations and I literally went, <laughs> "Ugh!" When I read it, part of that quiz asks about your particular relationships with your caregivers, and it listed it out as mother and father about how you felt protected by them, if you felt like they were in tune with you, if they expressed delight at stuff you did or whatever. Right. They want you to answer that based on your really early childhood. And I don't really remember much before I was like six. So I struggled a little bit with that part of it. Yeah. There are other quizzes out there that have all the other questions that don't go into this stuff about the parents Hmm. that ask the same things. And I took a different one just to see. And I got pretty similar. Uh, The avoidance score was 1.22 and the anxiety score was 2.17. A little lower on both of those, but similar. Um, When I was a baby, it was just me and my mom. For how long? She divorced my biological dad when I was five months old. Mm -hmm. And I believe she met my dad, my real dad, when I was maybe just two. Okay. Nobody remembers that part of their life, really. But I, I don't really remember much at all. What I know is that I do have a biological dad out there that I've never really had a relationship with. And there have been points in my life, and it hasn't lasted very long when it's come up for me, but I've definitely had moments of, why the hell didn't he care more? Why didn't he make an effort? And so there have been times that I've wondered, like, do I have some abandonment issues because of that? But ultimately, I have a dad. He raised me, and I don't think I was lacking for any of that. But I also had grandparents, my biological dad's mom specifically, who would put shit in my head that was real fucked up. Oh, yeah. I would come back from weekends with the grandparents and not know what to call my dad because she would tell me over and over, like, don't forget your bloodline, who your real dad is. But your dad adopted you, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he sure did. (laughs) Wow. No, she was and this was before the formal adoption that she was doing this stuff I think. Apparently it I sounds
0: would- like she was desperately clinging she needed you to know that you were their family. Clearly, she doesn't understand chosen family. God damn it. <laughs> really not. Yeah. Because yeah. you were chosen by your real dad. Absolutely. Not by your biological dad.
1: Yes. Make no mistake. Those are two different things, people. But I would come home and I wouldn't know what to call him. Ugh. And so. Yeah, it's fucked up. Apparently, I called him Manya for a long time which was some weird conglomeration of man and you. Wow. Yeah. I have to assume that all that did something to my development.
0: Clearly not significant because you're still secure.
1: (laughs) I took this test this week. I don't know what this test would have said had I taken it six years ago. Honestly. Interesting. Because to me, that
0: makes me question the credibility of it. Mm
1: -mm. Because what I was saying before is they're saying if you've done a lot of work, if you're willing to put in the time self-reflect therapy, whatever, it can change if you're willing to address some issues that you have and work on moving away from those instincts. I think you're done then. You've fixed yourself. Oh, I'm not fucking (laughs) done. Trust me. There's more to do. Everything is fixed. But my point is that I have been, (laughs) I have been doing that work for the last couple of years. So had I taken this test six years ago, I really think it would have been a different result honestly. So I would like to take partial credit and also thank my mother. (laughs) Good job. Mine just says broken. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no, it doesn't. She's lying. I did not get
0: the gold star like you did. (laughs) You seem bitter about
1: it. (laughs) You seem smug. I'm really not. (laughs) Just kidding. I literally scoffed at congratulations that was on the page. No.
0: (laughs) Actually, though, I'm not surprised at all. This is completely what I expected when I read these.
1: Yeah, when you were reading that description earlier, that's you.
0: (laughs) No surprise, I got the avoidant slash dismissive. It says your attachment style is dismissing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see. Here's one thing that I was kind of laughing at about this, because not all of this was spot on. Like it says... The development of an avoidant attachment style early in life often causes antisocial behavior in adulthood.
1: Oh, you're not antisocial at all.
0: (laughs) In extreme cases, avoidant slash dismissive adults can become violent. Hmm. Avoidant parents tend to disregard their child's attachment needs.
1: I don't feel like that's
0: accurate. I don't
1: think you disregard them. I do think that one more than the other of your children is very attached. Mm -hmm. In the possibly anxious clingy way, but you definitely don't dismiss that or avoid it. Nope. So my score says anxiety
0: 3.61 avoidance 4.22. Let's see. (laughs) You avoid being emotionally intimate with others. You prefer to stay distant and tend to pull away as soon as someone tries to get close to you. I mean, that may have happened a few times. (laughs) You are uncomfortable with opening up to others and expressing your private thoughts. Mm, I feel like this podcast negates that. (laughs) Mm, No, it's still right. (laughs) You exhibit dismissive behaviors. You seem distant and aloof and tend to minimize your emotional expressions.
1: I don't think you seem distant or aloof, but I do think that you avoid emotional things. Touche. You see yourself as self-sufficient.
0: At the same time, you might exhibit a false self to the world. Hmm. You're pretty authentic. I You're pretty authentic.
1: You're pretty transparent about who you are.
0: You find it hard to get close to, trust, and rely on others. You prefer to rely on yourself. Well, that's that for damn sure. True. At least in terms of relationships.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> at the bottom of this, it says... What can you do? And then at the bottom of that, it says, we can help. (laughs) (laughs) Fix me, fix me. So I need to reorient. Like, basically, this is telling me that I'm a problem. It (laughs) says, even with therapy, healing your attachment style can be a challenge. (laughs) For this reason, we have developed a program of intensives as well as group processes, which are designed to be delivered in an online setting and in a person to person basis. For only no I'm just kidding, I just made up that last phrase. Well, first, you know
1: they're trying to sell something, though.
0: Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Exactly. we can fix you <laughs> for a
1: certain price. <laughs> so,
0: okay. Anyway. But you
1: can change it. That I think is a big deal. Do you feel like I need to be changed? No, I'm just saying as we're talking about this, people are probably out there like, "Oh fuck, I'm broken too. Now oh, what do I do?" God. Nothing. You said you're broken. I know, but I don't language. I don't want people to listen to this and be like, "Well, I'm fucking broken." So, but that's why I think it's important that we talk about this. It's not static. It's not fixed. It might be difficult to overcome some of it, but you can. It's all about self-awareness. We've talked so much about self-awareness in a million other episodes. Mm -hmm. Being able to recognize when you're reacting a certain way, how you're reacting to things, find patterns in that, especially finding patterns in your relationships. You can start to see some of that and maybe work on it a little bit. I don't know. Is that feedback to me? No, that's to everyone. (laughs) Myself included, because I honestly don't know. I, like I said, I don't think that this would have been the same result a few years back. I really don't. And maybe it would still be in the same quadrant, but I bet that those numbers would be different. Probably so. Yeah. So here's some stuff. It says, can you change your attachment style? Yes, you can. However, it takes a lot of work, patience, and intention. Be aware of your childhood history. The familiarity is comforting, whether it is good or bad, meaning your past unhealthy relationship patterns from childhood can recreate in your adulthood. We have all seen people or been people who have the same relationship over and over again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because patterns are familiar and therefore comfortable, even if they suck. Yeah. This particular article from Mind Body Grain is saying a few ways to start identify your relationship patterns, work on your self esteem. It says if you cannot fathom what self love is because you were neglected, abused, and dismissed as a child, you can start with self tolerance or self neutrality. Just even any step up from. I was going to say self-hatred, but that's very, very (laughs) fucking extreme. Harsh to pull out a prior word. (laughs) what I meant. Uh, The next one is get in touch with your real needs. And the quote here is, sorry, learn to be assertive and set boundaries. (laughs) Honor what you feel and express your needs in words without manipulation and hidden meanings. And then don't be afraid to seek therapy is the last one.
0: Yeah, it says that in this article too. It says... Chances are that many of us don't fully belong to the securely attached group. Even if we think we have stable relationships, there might be patterns in our behavior, like you just said, that keep bothering us or making us stressed and unhappy. Unfortunately, some individuals will recognize themselves in one of the three insecure profiles, which are the less healthy ones. And in that case, it is preferable and highly recommended that they address the issue actively And if necessary, seek individual psychological help. Yes.
1: Is that the one that also talks about how your attachment style can really be affected by the other person that you're with in a relationship?
0: Yes. It says an insecurely attached individual could form a secure bond when they have a securely attached partner. And a person with a secure attachment style could, in contrast, develop an unhealthy relationship behavior after experiencing trauma or losing a loved one. It says there is no need to fit any specific profile. So basically, like you were saying, things could change at any time.
1: Yeah. And it's probably not going to flip entirely on its head, but none of it is completely fixed. Right. So I don't feel like, you know, I've won this or anything and my work is done. I feel like (laughs) I'm a constant work in progress. And that's why I keep going to therapy. And I think we all have our fucking issues. And I feel lucky to have worked through some of them partly
0: <laughs> you know nothing's done <laughs> good so. job i guess you can put on your dating profile now that you have a secure attachment style I and could. then if they say what does that mean you can just send them the link to this episode
1: <laughs> i did see a profile once that said he would only consider people with secure attachment styles oh interesting. and i was like fuck off diagnosed by who well, yeah like why are you maybe so he'll send special? you the
0: quiz before you can go out with him i'm gonna
1: tank it take this quiz <laughs> <laughs> Just have me take it. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you. Well, that's one of the things about that little quiz, too. I I, I could tell what they wanted me to answer. Uh-huh. You know, like it's one of those things that's it's pretty clear what the quote good answer is.
0: Right. answer. Right. Mm-hmm. And I,
1: I mean, I really tried to be really honest about it. Wow. It's a five-minute
0: quiz on the internet.
1: Then it must be right. I used to
0: take those in Cosmo (laughs) when I was in college. So, Uh,
1: yeah, I had YM and 17 coming to my house when I was a kid. YM, I forgot about that that? magazine.
0: Loved it. Didn't that
1: stand for young and modern? Probably. I don't know. Did I just make that up? No, I think you're right. (laughs) And I always tore out the little Columbia House 13 CDs for a penny. Right. Things and cinnamon, and then canceled my membership immediately. And I had so many CDs that way. I thought you could only do that one time. But then you put like your pet's name and your oh, okay. brother's <laughs> name and your somebody who doesn't exist's name. Nice. I got a lot of free CDs. Way to work the system. Oh, yeah. Way off track. Um, Let's wrap this shit up. Okay. So that uh, we can get back to our itchy eyes and anxiety. (laughs) Thanks for battling through it with me tonight. Of course. And
0: uh, hopefully next week the cat will have returned and things will be in better
1: straits. Hopefully I won't look like the world's biggest stoner. (laughs) Or like you've been crying for three hours. Yep. Anyway. Let's cheers Um, on it. You all know where to find us online at Prosecco Theory. And cheers to finding Brooklyn. Cheers, come home.